Welcome to Tilt Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about GDUs. In our spotlight, we'll look at agriculture.com. Ag History Minute, we'll talk about agriculture exports. Cool beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events and we'll wrap it up with some You Applied What. So with me today are Todd Schomburg. Hey, Matt. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. How's it going? And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilt Agronomy. All right. Well, Mother Nature, it's time to go home. You're drunk. <laughs> no, it's been quite a quite a run where we got cold and dry and then now wet and hot. And just, yeah, been kind of a, just flipped the switch where summer came. It was super quick. So my children spent like four days outside in the pool and they all were lobsters by the end of the, <laughs> by the end of Memorial Day. But it was great. Get them outside of the house and not have to worry about school and uh, distance learning. <laughs> but better yet, guys, hey, we are in the studio together. Yep. Social distancing. I forgot, social distancing I forgot what you guys looked like. This yeah. is great. <laughs> I, I forgot what human contact felt like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be back, not fight the internet or, you know, make sure your home setup is working right. I The the listeners don't know how much work went into the online. And, and how online hard, setup. how laggy it was and hard yeah. it was to, like, it just it was different. So Yeah, I mean, Todd, your mouth is actually matching your words. I, yes, it's, it's not where you're talking and you have to guess what I'm saying. Yeah. There's no children in the background screaming. <laughs> right. Dogs no, pawing at doors. We or, just got the highway now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little humming noise in the background yeah, for the listeners. Yeah, minor, minor. It's not... It's not. It's uh, ambiance, you said, Max. You're yeah. Right. Yep. It's not my roommates watching cold case files with the sound on. You know. <laughs> yeah. Streaming unsolved mysteries. It was good to have eighty-five degrees for a while. It felt like yeah. summer. Yeah. I was saying before my uh, my uh, window arm really got the got the brunt of the sunshine the last couple of days. Window my window arm, you know, like my left <laughs> side is always like hanging out the window, and my right arm is in the truck, and my left arm is. Pretty toasty. So is that your half half your face too? Then uh, I don't or know. Just the arm. I don't think no, it's so bad. You're good. You're good. That's just just my destroyed nose. <laughs> yeah, That's the first week I had to actually think about sunscreen. Normally, I've been wearing a sweater or something. Right. <laughs> it was no, weird that no I, a winter jacket one week and the next week it's like shorts. Yeah, you're back to. You know, you know what though. Sh- even when we were wearing long sleeves, like I still had pretty good tan lines, but it was only my hand. Yeah. Like my no, hands. It was were sunny. Tan. You're right. It was sunny. But it, yeah. But it wasn't like oh, we got to put on sunscreen. You know, you can feel it burning. But like after four days, my my hands had some color, and then the rest of my arm was pasty. Yeah, we're talking about GDUs later, and it gets into that. Is we got like a hundred GDUs in four days, and before that, it was like three weeks to get to seventy. Get this, yeah. So like the corn's like, what is going on? Like I just spent three weeks like freezing in the Arctic, and then literally just went to the like desert. the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah the desert. Now I got to kick it into overdrive. Yeah, I was having that conversation with somebody yesterday. Like it got really hot, but it didn't seem like the corn grew like that fast the last two days. Yeah, the stuff that was emerged anyway. Right. And it's like. I wonder if the corn just like couldn't adjust. It's just like, like whoa, yeah, it had to like, wake up. Literally, yeah. could get, not adjust. We had to get the soil warmed back up yeah. so that it could, uh, could get going. It was like in the winter when you fly down to Florida or somewhere hot, and, and you takes, get you get out, you're getting off the yeah, plane yeah, and you're on that like little a, tube a weird and jet like, lag. And yeah, I saw I saw a picture the other day. It was from the Orlando airport. It says uh, if you've ever it was from like where you get picked up out in front of the airport. It says if you ever stood here, you know what humidity is. 
And uh, I think about every time we flew down to go to Disney, how freaking oh, hot it is. Yeah. Hot, humid. Yeah, they're saying, because Disney's announced their reopening plan and you got to wear masks and stuff. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I can get my money back. Yeah, yeah. I can use the money that I was supposed your to voucher. go in April. Oh, yeah, you were supposed to go. Yeah, I was, yeah April. I thought 15. I thought the NBA was going to play at Disney. Oh, yeah, yeah. and then they were all... They, Robin Lopez already called dibs on the Polynesian, the nicer resort. And so they were saying, because they were saying, yeah, they were teasing them. And it was kind of bad that they're like, oh, you guys are mad that you get to stay at Disney. What the heck? But yeah, there's all kinds of different I know. accommodations. They were going to so. play at the ESPN wild, Wide World of Sports Complex. Is there a separate hotel that goes with that? Or are they just going to? I don't think there is a hotel by that. Mm, I don't know. But there's a bunch around it. I mean, yeah. We, I mean, we never we never stayed in the fancy Disney hotels. We stayed in the motel down the highway and had to commute <laughs> in every morning to see Mickey. But they're all just going to stay in the Tower of Terror. Yeah, there oh. you go. <laughs> Isn't that what they call Brooke Lopez is the Tower of Terror? Yeah, there you go. The Greek Freak's a new ride there, I think. That would be good. That would be good. It's like a mean mug for a... You got to ride in a mean mug or something. Yeah. Speaking of NBA, the NHL announced their playoffs and kind of neat. They're going to. Cool. Yeah, it's it's sort of fun in a way that I think it was six teams that basically are out. And then there's certainly like a 24 team playoff. I'm, and I think some of the teams get buys the first round so that they can advance. But if, kind if of a cool way to do it. But if you're the bottom end. You shouldn't I, get into playoffs anyway, right? Yeah. Like, right. You right. suck so bad the rest of the season. I'm a I'm not a huge hockey fan, but I like playoff hockey, you know? I yeah. I like I like playoff hockey. I think it's a really good atmosphere, so I'm excited to have and we don't have anything else to watch. Like I'm gonna be a really good hockey fan this year. Like it'll be good. My wife literally said that last night. Like we need sports back. I kinda double take, like, really? <laughs> but like my boys are watching like three year old college football games that mean nothing like tcu and texas tech and you know it's like just whatever's on espn and it's like we need something like real, the real 2005 bad. orange bowl is yeah. playing again what yeah yeah no it'll be it'll be nice to have have something i know the did you guys watch the golf last week with uh tom brady and I heard Tiger about it, but i didn't watch it the match i think the yeah, yeah. Uh, wasn't like, it the match too wasn't this the second one they did yeah i think, yeah, you, I think you're right sounds yeah. like they're gonna keep going though like it's an interesting concept. Right. Who won, right? Because Tiger lost. Tiger right? and Brady, I think. Or no, no Tiger uh, and Manning won, I think. Oh, no. I thought it was Mickelson and Manning. No. No? Okay. But Manning beat Brady. Yeah. That's what it was. And Manning was a pretty good golfer, too. Yeah. From, yeah. Cool. It, I guess Tom Brady, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I guess Tom Brady was just not very good at golf. But then he hit an absolute moonshot that was perfect. He holed out from like two, I don't know, 100 yards or something. As Charles Barkley was in his ye- in his ear, trash talking him how bad he was. Yeah, and he hit the shot and it went right in the hole. For it's almost like yards. Happy Gilmore style, where he gets him to like yeah. make some noise, you yeah. know, and then he he, that's he also he also had a wardrobe malfunction, so he had an all around like not great night. <laughs> I'm I'd, fine with that. I'm not a huge Brady guy, so it's a cool. I, concept, I thought you meant though. you were fine with the wardrobe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, I, I didn't too. see it. No, he 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 bent down to pick up a ball and his pants just ripped. No like, way. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Golf pants are a little too well, that's tight. Great. Yeah, that's Brady's great. been enjoying the quarantine cookies a little too much. <laughs> yeah. I think there your Corona fifteen put on the COVID nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy! All right, you guys ready to get into this? Yeah. All right, let's, let's go. Let's go. So GDUs or GDD? Yeah. What do you guys call it? 
both. Do we, yeah, I'm always GDUs. I don't know why GDDs or growing degree days. I say growing degree days, I guess, yeah. and then it's growing degree units. So, yeah. it's Yeah, I think I've used both off and on. We need some heat. I don't, I don't know if I ever really say uh, exact. I just say we need some heat. We need it bad. But yeah, when, you, when you calculate that number, yeah. then you go to this acronym, right? Yeah. And I don't know if I have a preference. I think I use them both. Yeah, and just some background is it's they're basically a cumulative method, of, you know, to to quantify heat. And you can use different temperature cutoffs, and there's a bunch of different ways to do it. And it's really technical. When I was looking into it, it was like the sine curve of this one and do it, you know, different curves. And um, But the easiest way for especially corn is we use a base of 50 degrees for the low and 86 for the high. So um, if if you go under 50, it can actually kind of count against you. Um, and then anything over 86, it doesn't really count. So we had a couple of days this week where we hit 86. So it kind of was perfect to max out there. So on corn, yeah, you really don't want to get above that. It really doesn't do you any good. Um, and then there's some other base thresholds like alfalfa. We use a base of like 40 or 41 degrees. Um, and and that too, it was interesting when I read a Michigan State thing. It said you start March 1st. I didn't know that. I thought nope. if you got before that, but it says no. Um, so it's weird looking at it too, is there's a bunch of different ways and there's a bunch of different numbers you can use. So if somebody says, you know, GDUs, you might want the, the standards, probably the corn one of base 50, high 86, but um, there is different numbers they can use. A little bit later on, we're going to talk about weed um, emergence GDUs. And in that, they actually use 48 degrees as the base. And I don't quite know why they did that, but that's what they used. Sure. Um, so always something a little bit different. Um, that way and just kind of knowing the methods. So where are we compared to n- normal? Yeah. So let's... Finger quote, normal. Yeah. What is normal? No. Um, this year is not normal, Matt. <laughs> we've kind of caught Nothing up, normal. which is interesting. You know, we, we started off really cold um, and we're way behind, but average this, you know, on this day is 346 GDUs and right now we're at 258. So um, we're kind of in that like you say, we're we're definitely still behind, but we were fast catching up to. Um, and then what's cool is they, on one of the calculators, they show a range. Um, and we've had as low in the past twenty years as low as one hundred ninety eight, and as high as five fifty two. So I mean that's quite a range too. Yeah. I mean we've had colder years, and we've had obviously like five fifty two. That just seems. I mean that's already uh, most corn that we use around here is about. 2,000 to 2,500 growing degree units to reach maturity. So, I mean, think of that. You're already like a quarter of the way at that 552. So that's a pretty warm year. Yeah. So just so everybody knows, we're we're taking the – this is air temperature, right? We're taking the maximum minus minimum divided by 2 minus 50. That's where your base that's comes That's where in. this unit is, yeah. yeah. That's yep. how you figure. Just so people out there understand what how we're getting that number. So max air temperature – Plus the minimum air temperature, divide that by 2, minus 50. That's your growing degree units. And days. we don't, there's calculators out there that'll do this for you. Um, the one Pioneer has a really good one. Um, if you just Google yeah, we, Pioneer GDU calculator, I think we talked about that one. We talked about it last week. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You put your zip code and what day you want to start and then what maturity corn you have, and it'll just, boom, calculate everything that you need. I and then that was pretty neat. The, um, 
CALS or the the Wisconsin College of Ag has one, and theirs is at like um, if you put in UWEX or CALS thermal models. Um, that one's really really good, um, but they're starting to kind of sunset some of the features on it. So that's somewhat of a downside. Is it used to used to be really awesome. You had a ton of stuff in it, but a few of it they're they're not doing as much. But um, it's a little more clunky as far as you got to put your lat long in and some of that, but the, the data that comes out of it's a lot more usable. And then the other one, probably my favorite one is, um, it's from, it's housed at Illinois and it's the MRCC model. I can't remember what MRCC stand for. And then they use this usable to useful to usable kind of acronym, but it's sort of a, you just, it's similar to Pioneer's. Um, you just put your county and and then it gives you um, kind of these charts and it's more specific to corn. Um, the the UW one can do like other you could set in different bases, whereas this one it's just corn GD corn GDDs. I don't know, yeah, growing degree days for corn. So those are ones that that I've found that work really well. I haven't found an app. Do you guys have any apps that you like for growing? Degree? Yeah, no, I'm no. maybe some of the listeners can let us know if they know of one. But no, so far, um, no apps that I've used, more just these online models. Well, that heat really gained us because I, I plugged that Pioneer one in. Same uh, features as I did last week during our episode. I think we were like 70 behind, and now we're only like 10. So that heat really, I mean, yeah. obviously it did, but that's a quantification of how much we've gained since the last time we chatted about this. Yeah, it makes makes a big difference getting those max heat units like todd said we were almost at that 86 at least once close to it twice so the um the mrcc does it stands for midwestern regional climate center so it's kind of the whole midwest um and that one is is what i like i said the one i like and it's got a sort of a calculator that can look into the future so It'll tell you when it's going to hit V2, V6, V10, and silking, so it'll kind of tell you stages. Right now on a 95-day corn, um, basically it says we're going to be at V2 on May 29th, which is today. And I would you guys kind of agree that we see some V2 corn yep. Yep. on the early plant? Um, you know, so that's kind of neat that it can estimate that. And then going forward, it's going to hit V6, which would be kind of that side dress time. Um, so that, that's one neat thing with this is you could kind of, I mean, obviously it's using sort of the 20, the past 20 years data to kind of guesstimate how we're going to, how warm we're going to be. And it gives you a range too. So V6, it says um, June 29th and then a range of June 23rd to July 7th. So it's kind of neat that it, you know, you can use that to sort of sort out when we're going to be side dressing or doing something. And then silking, it says July 20th. And July 14th to August 6th is the range. So um, we'll be seeing tassels, you know, kind of that mid to late July sometime. And then black layer, it says September 21st um, with a range of September 1st. Uh, it doesn't give an end range. It says none. So I don't I don't know if that means it may not hit black layer. It will never make at, it. At the worst. But, but even that, uh, say September 21st, a black layer. So that means it's kind of physiologically mature about... Bill, would you say two or three weeks before that is silage? Yeah. I was just going to bring that up. Like, you guys can plan your trips around harvest by yeah. pulling up this calculator. The wife says, wait, when should we go somewhere when, before harvest? 
Well, I know that Black Layer is September 1st, so two weeks before that, we're going to be chopping. Yeah, we better go August 1st. We better go catch that that trip in. So Yeah, no, not many people planned a 95 day, which I use for silage. But, yeah, that's saying like September 21st um, for Black Layer, so you'd be at that, yeah, kind of that September 7th-ish for silage. So think of a, a normal silage. You'd probably be around that 15th using this this calculator and stuff. So kind of a, like I said, I like the way to project forward is night. I, I mean, we could go tell what it is today. Like some of these calculators would be like, Oh, it'll tell you what it is right now. It's like, yeah. well, we know can, that. We can it's, see that in the right. field. Yeah. It's more of like, okay, let's look if, is it pretty close to what it is right now? And then I got that um, question last year, you know, we had such a late planting season and these cash cropper guys are like, is my corn going to make it or not? What should I do with it? And, I didn't have this, Todd. I could have popped yeah, this I, up. And I actually them. used it quite a bit last year. And it was yeah. hard because it was more depressing because it basically was like, yeah, you're never going to make it. Like you yeah. have no chance of making it. So, but sometimes knowing that's good, then you can plan well, around. Then, right. You can you call know, you a dairy or sell it for or, high yeah. moisture or silage or something. Or maybe you got to check the ethanol plant to see <laughs> if you can get it down there and, and that. So yeah, that would have been helpful to check this out last year because I took some charts and some other stuff to calculate the days, but then we had such a bad fall anyway that no corn dried even if it made it, so it didn't work out anyway. But this would have been nice to project in because he asked me, like, in July, like, what should we do here? And I'm like, well, this is what should happen if these metrics hit, but the metrics really didn't hit, so we kind of... It doesn't... Does it matter if the metrics are right if we get six inches of rain every week for six weeks? You know <laughs> no, what I mean? Right. Like, even if we reach the maturity, it didn't really dry necessarily. Hoping that's not the trend again this year, uh, Max. We're, it's, it's beautiful outside. What are you yeah. talking about? It's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, hey, today, today looks real nice. Like I said to you guys before, at least the corn is in. We can get the rain now. At least it's in, and what's not underwater is growing. We're last year, we kept getting the rain just nothing was in and we couldn't have anything growing while we're waiting for it to dry out so yeah, yeah worst case now we got to patch in some fields right. not whole replant fields probably so yeah yeah it can't grow if it's not in the ground so we're ahead of last year but in that way at least yeah i like how it even estimates the first fall freeze and gives you a probability of freeze before a black layer which is kind of nice what date does it october 15th is what it okay oh there yep okay Shows as the projected freeze, freeze, but it could be within from the 23rd of September to November 12th, which is a pretty big window. Well, in the last how many years we've had late falls, so we haven't had a frost early. Yep. Well, last last year, didn't we have a relatively early freeze, but then it was cold, 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 and then got really nice and warm again for a couple of weeks. Like we had a kill frost, and then it got back up to 70, 70 degrees. Yeah. talk about the weeds yeah so there there's a growing degree units can be used for like i said for alfalfa things for other things and let's pivot into um right now is a good time to look at kind of trying to guesstimate when weeds are going to come um and there this tool also works well for that where you can use growing degree units and it'll um the illinois extension has a really good um it's, it's a basically a weed emergence poster um that they put out um Excuse me, it was Iowa State. There's a bunch of them listed, too. University of Wisconsin's on there, University of Illinois, Minnesota, Iowa State. So um, It's funny that they got them grouped by numbers. I feel like we're talking about herbicides right, here. Herbicide groups, yeah. Groups, sure. But it's grouped 
zero weed emergence in group one. And it's like, wait, what are we talking about here? I thought we were talking about herbicides, but no, it's a pretty cool chart. But they did the the research to see kind of when these would emerge. And obviously there's a range, you know, you can't be perfect because depending on locations and all that, it's different. Um, group zero, they say are kind of the fall, you know, sort of your winter annuals and your really early spring. So weeds in that are horseweed, white cockle, field pennycrest, and shepherd's purse, which that makes sense. A lot of our burn downs, yeah, you know, those, those are, are out early. Those yeah. are the ones we're going yep. after. That's why yep. they're zero, yep. So those, you know, they don't even kind of give a growing degree day on there at all. Um, and then group one is growing degree days of around 150 units um, or less than that, basically, and they could start going. And that's, um, they got giant ragweed as the first one we would see, lamb's quarter, Pennsylvania smartweed, and then common sunflower. I don't know, the last two we don't deal with as quite as much, but our giant rags and lamb's quarter. And like, Max, how is, tall was some that you've seen I, already? I had some stuff that was you know, 12 to 14 inches tall already. Yeah, was, some, I, that was on Monday, Tuesday of this week. So That was giant ragweed? Yeah, so by today it's... Hopefully it's dead. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully it's dead. <laughs> that that would be the that would be the ideal answer, yes. But if it's not, Max, what do you think it would be? Uh I would, I would think, yeah, it's starting to stretch pretty quick now. Yeah, with that heat it would really jump pretty quick. And it makes sense, like I've seen I've seen all these weeds. I've seen common ragweed, I've seen velvet leaf, and we're above that one fifties now, so I've seen those out there and I was going to uh, say, lamb's quarter. yeah, I've, I've seen velvet leaf before. I've seen lamb's quarter this year. So, Yeah, the next group gets into, it's got group two, uh, 150 to 300, and common ragweed and velvet leaf are in that group. And, yeah, I agree with you, Matt, though. That seemed a little, uh, you know, almost like I've seen velvet leaf come a little bit, maybe on that, maybe that is closer to that 150 this year or something. And it just... Yeah, that one seems like it's odd to be in that group. It should be in the earlier group. Yeah, I would have pegged it as a group one versus a group two. But I've been a little bit nervous on some weed control because I've seen clean fields and then a few velvet leaf poking through. So it's like, yeah, do we have some of that weather issues? So far I've seen the clistal kicking back on yeah, it. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I've seen just yesterday in the day. Well, yesterday it rained all day. Wednesday it was, you know, the white was starting to pop Good. in there and stuff. Good. Yeah, so. Tuesday I was walking a field with a farmer and we were seeing that too that Clisto was coming back and Good. I was going to say Bill you and I literally talked about this on Tuesday I know like we all did. of a sudden we're like holy crap where's all this velvet leaf coming from and if you think about it go back work by our weather back we were right in that 150 to 200 on Monday Tuesday this week where it should really start popping so and I think some of that was kind of just starting to come before we had rain to activate yeah. the herbicide yeah. or maybe it wasn't quite and now we're getting the rain to activate it, and it's it's got the Callisto reach back. So, and then the next group, group three, is two hundred fifty to four hundred growing degree units. It's got your yellow foxtail, nightshade, um, proso millet, kind of are the big three in that one. Um, and then group four, we're going to focus on because those are they're kind of your late emergers, where um, those are the ones where we seem to have you know problems with as well. Where if the residual runs out on a herbicide. Um, and I'd put like prosomillet in that category a little bit too, where it seems like we can run out and it can blow through. But group four is over 350 growing degree days, and that's large crabgrass, fall panicum, morning glory, and then the infamous water hemp. Dun, dun, 
Duh. Yeah. So you stay at home, water him. Yeah. Here. <laughs> we don't need any more. <laughs> Done. Not gonna happen. Sorry, guys. It's so, coming. So the reason why this is a good time to talk about it is, you know, to get that residual kind of that overlap residual on your water hemp, you know, now is not a bad time to think when we hit that 300 growing degree units timing is to, you know, laying down that herbicide so it's activated by the 350, you know, or a little ahead of when the water hemp emerges. When you, It's funny, Todd, you talk about that residual. I just had a uh, talk with the grower on Wednesday, and um, we're doing this plan to pass residual where we put with soybeans. Yeah, we put a residual down right away. They planted beans the 26th of April. Yep. Okay. And it's like, oh wow, it's and the plan was 30 days after planting. Planning. Do that second pass. And um, I was just got to thinking while I'm standing there talking to him, like, holy man, we're at 30 days already. We need to spray this second pass herbicide. So I'm like, I'll get hold of the spray guy and make sure that it's on his radar when it dries out again but you know just that caught up caught up to me so um yeah we're gonna have to have to get that out again because we're at that you know 280 or whatever it is by the time we probably dry out again and you know we're gonna have to make sure we get that on you wonder with overlapping residual if you should look at growing degree units a little more like when we put say guys planted two weeks ago put authority down is that going to run out right at the wrong time or, you know, whatever, yeah, right not the just the thought, right as water hemp, you know, and then you put your next overlap on and you're sort of too late where you wonder if like at that, a certain timing of growing degree days, you should just not spray right away and then come back with like an Anthem Max or a... So, oh, look, are, are you saying that maybe we should watch the growing degree days on the weeds and be a little bit more conscious I, of that and less on the, hey, we're supposed to have you know, 30 days residual where maybe we spray at day 25 to right. make sure that we don't leave those growing degree days like right there. Right. Okay, that's our 30-day mark where then especially, we're leaving Especially if it turns around again and we get a week instead of three, four days of what we just had of 85, now we get a week. Yeah. All of a sudden, those water hemp seeds are going to be like, whoa, let's Pop do up, this, yeah. you know, and you don't want to put that second pass on too early because you're losing probably days on the back end. Right, but you don't want to be too late, like Todd, like you just said, because you don't want to be in that no man's land. Of, yeah, where the where first he... one ran out, we emer- we germinated, and we didn't have the second one on in time. Yeah, so it's a balancing act, right? It's an, the, it's an exact inexact science. The other thing with your with your guy that planted April beans is if are they extend beans or not? Yeah, yeah. So extend two weeks was forty five days from planting. Yeah. So that also, you know, that window's quickly closing yeah, too, where fast, yeah. you know all of a sudden you're going to have to you just ate that up. Yeah, that is, window is up. you're going to have to watch that. Is you know that'd be his next. Is does he do? And, and now wouldn't be the worst time to spray extend. You know, if you if you did maybe see a few up water hemp. Yeah. When he's laying that next pass, put extend out to kill the ones that are up, get you a little residual, um, and we're still in that kind of cooler time period where. Um, you know our dicambas tend to stick around better and don't don't move as bad and we don't get the volatilization so what's kind of unfortunate is that 45 day window well think how long stuff was underground this year oh, yeah. yeah you know so you know we lost <laughs> 25 days of that exactly right? where you did just wasn't doing anything you know where it's like well this counts against us but we're not really we don't have anything to get nervous about yet so this the situation i'm talking about is a little different it was it's a newly rented farm couple of the fields were fallow last year some of them we 
put into um, some hay because they're just little fields. So that's why we kind of wanted the camba because of the the alfalfa that was there and just it was a unique situation. So we're going to be able to to kick some butt with the extend in the second pass too. So all right, so there you go. A little explanation of what GDUs or GDDs are. And you can use them not only for tracking your crop's maturity, but also tracking your weeds. So now we'll move into our spotlight. All right. Today we're going to look at agriculture.com. Among the first websites in agriculture, it turned 25 this month in May 2020. So, ag.com has been around for 25 years. If you look at the link, the uh, it's got an old screenshot of the original, and it's just awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, it just like it's just the old school Netscape yep. viewer. The gray you know. background with like the <laughs> raised looking buttons. Yep. And the A in agriculture is like the at sign. Yep. And, um, which that was kind of new at that time, if you remember the old. I think it's Katie Couric saying, like, yeah, "What with, is, yeah, yeah, what does that mean?" With the weather guy, what's yeah, his name? yeah. Um, so no, it's kind of kind of neat. This is a successful farming article that talks about, you know, how basically the internet for agriculture was born then, and and what it looked like, and yeah, just it's very generic looking, you know, versus what we're used to now, and it's pretty neat the how much how far it's come, and now basically. All this stuff's on our smartphone, really, more so even than than people looking at it on their computers. So yeah, May fifteenth, nineteen ninety five, is when the switch turned on to launch the successful farming website. Those buttons are cool, though. <laughs> I, just, I can't get over that. Those old school. It had to be dial up too, right? Yeah, the... would have been. <laughs> <laughs> Max, do you even remember that? Yes. <laughs> we had dial-up until I was in, like, seventh grade. <laughs> Bill, remember when we got, like, a 56K modem? And it was yeah. like, whoa, this is awesome. It was great. It was way 56 better than whole Ks. Ks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember fighting over the internet. Like, you can't be on the phone. I'm oh, trying the, to use the computer. That was, was like, like when Nintendo kind of came out, you know, and every every couple of years there was some more, you know. 64, the Super Nintendo, and then the 64, and then boom, all the way up. That's kind of the same way, you know? Yep. Well, I, yeah, it took all night to download one song on the internet. <laughs> now we'd be pissed if it took, <laughs> yeah. it took more than two minutes. Yeah, now, now, now we're we mad. stream yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, look at how mad yeah, we, we are. we can stream. We were, we were mad when we were podcasting remotely, and it wasn't, like, kind of working, you know, so, yeah. It's just, it's funny to think about, like, I think about what it was like going to school and like elementary school and we're using those old, like, Macintosh with the rainbow apple, the apple like, the big, ugly, slow computers. And now I have a, like, I have a MacBook Air that I got when I started college and it's the size of a, like, uh, agenda. Like, it's, it only weighs like 2.1 pounds and it fits <laughs> on a half desk. Like, it's... <laughs> We had one computer in the library that had internet, and it was like, I don't know how anybody used it. Nobody could use it. It was like, I don't know if the teachers used it, but no students could use it. It was like off limits to everybody. Like, that's the computer. Everybody just could look at it. Yeah. It was in the, it was a dark library with one light coming down from the <laughs> ceiling. Like, 
Just maybe the librarian just used it on her free time or something. I don't looking know. up recipes and yeah. you know <laughs> things like that. Yeah, the web browser was Netscape Navigator or AOL. I mean, that was uh, yeah. Then Internet Explorer came out, which that one's still around. But yeah, no, it was it was very different. AOL. So there you go. Twenty five years of agriculture.com. Great resource. Now let's move into our egg history minute. If Todd uh, in studio, Todd is having some technical yeah, I'm difficulties. Yeah, not used to. I'm getting there. There we go. There's the banjo. It's getting into game shape. No, it's different with the training camp. This is it's better with the board than the old school way, but and the music ain't. I can monitor better. But all right, all right. So in today's egg history minute, we've been talking a lot the last few weeks about exports and trade deals and everything else. So. Thought it'd be interesting to take a look at exports from 1930 to the 1960s. So every 10-year period, we had some changes in not only the dollar value, but the percentage of total exports that involved agriculture. So from 1930 to 1939, average annual value of exports was $765 million per year, or 32% of total exports. From 1940 to 49. That jumped up to two point four two billion per year. I feel or like it should be the Doctor Evil do- here, Matt. One billion dollars, <laughs> or twenty-two percent of total exports. Fifty to fifty-nine jumped again to three point five three billion per year, and stayed about the same percentage, twenty-two percent, as it did in the sixties. Nineteen sixty to sixty-nine was five point seven six billion, and about twenty-two percent. And so then I found some math to do for the last 10 years from 2010 to 2019 we were approximately 139.5 billion dollars of exports and we're down to about nine percent of total exports are agriculture so that's a huge jump in 40 years yeah i think how high it went and then the percentage how you know how it went down yep yeah, so that's the changing world of agriculture is exports. So still big business, even if it is a smaller percentage of total export from the country. So, Todd? If you like what you're hearing, everybody, please go to naicc.org. There you can find a independent crop consultant in your area. And uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend. Um, yeah, anything we can do to... We don't ask for, we don't have any ads. We don't have any subscription fees. So it, all we ask for you to do is just tell another farmer you know, and maybe not even tell them, just show them what a podcast is, you know, because maybe they want to listen to Joe Rogan on Spotify now or whatever he got, and then they can listen to some TTR on the other side. Right, Max? That, that's that's <laughs> completely similar right there. Yeah. Yes, we, they they call us Ag Rogan, actually. Ag Rogan, yeah. yeah on, the, on the streets, we're known as Ag Rogan. <laughs> and uh, please subscribe and then follow us. Matt, where can they follow us? Uh, Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. So, yes, thank you, Todd. Make sure you telephone, tell a friend. And I can't remember the rest of the song. <laughs> I think we should just change it from Ag Rogan to Todd Rogan. Todd Rogan. Yeah. Todd Rogan. <laughs> Todd Rogan Radio. Todd's got to get I'm, jacked up. I'm jo- yeah. Joe Rogan. And then maybe Elon Musk will come on. Then we're big time. Yeah. 
All right, let's move into our current events with Cool Beans, and that's corny. So, Cool Beans? Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. All right, today's Cool Beans is gold medals in the seed box flipping Olympics. So some really cool tweets on this out here of, you know, a lot of seed went out, a lot of boxes, and just people tweeting videos of them, you know, flipping the boxes and how fast they can do it and um, just some of the different methods. It was fun to see that, especially how many, how much goes out in bulk boxes now is just unreal. And, you know, what the dealers do to even just deliver them and then got to go pick them all up and, and how they do that. So it was kind of neat on Twitter and um, Egg Professional had a good article on it showing them, showing them doing it and stuff is pretty neat. So, um, yeah, one that I liked was Jared Crittenbrink, and he said, um, "No need. who needs a gym when I've got, um, basically I can go and just flip seed boxes all day. So Yeah, instead of tractor tires, you can just flip the seed boxes. Yeah, I like that. You're right. They should world's strongest man. They should see uh, who can, or maybe like a speed contest of them. So I bet you a seed company would throw their uh, yeah the their label on their money sponsor. There. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a shout out for a little sponsorship. I bet you that would happen. Now I brought up the idea of the tilt agronomy Olympics before. We, maybe we need we, to include this in the this uh, in could the, be yeah, one of them. Yeah. The egg tilts. Olympics. What does that entail, Max? Well, I thought we would do like the uh, there would be like a four wheeler driving uh, like <laughs> obstacle course. <laughs> Uh, maybe like a soil sampling speed and uh, perfect packing competition sure. because I know I can beat almost everybody except for maybe Doug and Jake Geiger in the uh, soil bag packing because I like them perfectly square. So you'd be graded on speed and quality. Yeah. Depth, yeah? yeah. Okay. And then uh, the seed the seed flip would maybe be a good one. Uh, and then maybe the seed counter. You know, we got yep. that new seed okay. counter. That'd be good to try and count seed. I, I always know. want to do the sweep where you, the alfalfa sweep ah, net, yeah. where you kind of see who can do the fastest and be the most accurate. And Maybe who can sweep alfalfa the fastest with the least amo- amount of alfalfa, alfalfa in, in the net. Ooh, you'd weigh it at the end. Yeah, I like that. You're right. I think the muddy field walk. <laughs> the <laughs> muddy <laughs> field walk. See who can manage. The muddy, the muddy clay field. Oh, oh yeah. yeah got to be clay, not sand. So you can, you can lose a boot, but anybody who can lose a sock in the mud automatically wins. Or loses. Or loses. It depends on how you look at things, really. I like those Olympics. The soil probe relay. Maybe at our, uh, at our, at our fall when we take our Christmas picture, we can... Have a little more, spice it up a little bit, have some Olympic games at that point. The Shout out to the scouts. You better start training now. Train now. <laughs> just every, well, the every... tra- Muddy Walk is trained, I think, every yeah. year. Yeah. Especially today. We got Muddy Walk down. Yeah. I call that the progressive scouting workout. Yeah. As your boots get heavier, heavier. as you continue to walk. Is that high interval intensity training or something yeah, like that? I, I think so. All right. And as always, we got to do That's Corny. And today's That's Corny is bottlenecks in the supply chain will have lasting effects on producers. So we've talked about this a little bit. I feel, I feel like this is better than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the corny every week. Is, every week. Is pigs dying? Is just some processing plant or something? Yep. So as we've moved through this pandemic, we realize that there, you know, we, we have the animals, we have the stores. It's getting in between is where we're hitting problems due to the pandemic so uh, pigs chickens steers they're all waiting to be slaughtered and still waiting right now 
one farmer made a comment that, you know, just miles down the road we have the store, I've got the pigs here, but we have no way of getting them there. So we can't just drop them off at the store. Yep, can we? can't just. Mm, you could, but I don't know if it'd pay <laughs> off. <laughs> Wouldn't work. Isn't that what started this? Was an open meat market? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so let's maybe, let's maybe or, not do that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think people bring bats to it. I don't think, but yeah. No, I, I think. Uh, shout out Jeff Polinski. His neighbors tried that, didn't they? Uh, but, uh, it was even before Quick Trip had meat. Sure. They, they were. Uh, yeah, the steers got out and were in the Quick Trip <laughs> parking lot. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. Knocking on the door. When yeah. You come in. Just walk them right in. It, they said it was super fresh. So right. It's just. Right. Guys got any of that mint milk in there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fresh, not frozen. A whole new level right there. So there you go. There's our current events for the day. And now we'll wrap it up with you applied. What? What did you do? All right, Todd. All right, I got it this week. Um, the four, the group, the herbicide. Well, kind of burn down. Burn downs is the category. Oh darn it, Todd! I was gonna guess that as my okay, guess. Okay, you had okay. <laughs> you told you took my I thunder. Took the, All right. Anyway, go. <laughs> it's verdict, Landmaster two, Fiora Ultra, Ultra, and Fallow Star. Hmm. Why well, no verdict? I feel like I've heard of Landmaster. Fallow Star seems a little on the nose for a burn down, but I'm about ninety percent sure Fiora Ultra is toilet paper. <laughs> so I'm gonna go Fiora Ultra. <laughs> what do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> toilet paper. I, you're, you're the one that I thought would get it. <laughs> a lot of a lot of research going in the toilet paper these days, no, you know. It, well, when when the name brands I, are all out of the uh, stores, you start Ma- to see the generics. <laughs> I, any guesses for you guys? I'm going to go with uh, uh, Matt is so sure on that one. I, I'm just going to go with him yeah, on that. He, yeah. he is 100% right. So they, they are, <laughs> I don't even have to guess. They are all burn downs. Just one will make you burn down there. Uh, so, yeah, I just oh, thought that wow. was the best name of it. You know, getting toilet paper when it was getting thin, it was like all that was left was a Fiora Ultra. Actually, not the worst toilet paper, by the way. <laughs> a but, shout uh, out to Fiora Ultra. But, but yeah. In the COVID. So I, I just thought that actually fit. Fiora Ultra coming through for the boys. Yeah. I thought it was actually not the worst in this. Uh, and there sounded are, like a herbicide. Well, and name. there are Ultra. Right. Right. Roundup. There there was also Fiora, like, soft and strong and some other ones. Although yes, I did the think of Charmin Ultra when I, yeah, when I yeah. read that. Yeah. So. Fiora Ultra came through when Todd decided to have wings and beard during, <laughs> yeah. the, during, the, during pandemic. the pandemic. So One of my favorite little factoids out of the whole toilet paper shortage thing still has to be the fact that <clears throat> the biggest production increase was splinter-free toilet paper. Mm. I'm just thinking, like... I, did, was there ever a toilet paper like, that splintered? Why? Or it had splinters? Why would you want the splintered stuff? <laughs> like, it's like the no pulp orange juice that got full full splinter toilet paper. Yeah. What is that? I think I'd take my chances with some tree leaves. Before right. I did you the, the splinter? Did you read into that and like find out what splinter toilet paper is? I, I did not read that. I just what? The? I think it was I, looking I think, up because Green Bay is a, uh, near us and a big producer of toilet paper, and they. Had something like, yeah, Georgia Pacific's been producing splinter-free toilet paper since whatever. I'm like, when did it have splinter? I think I would have waited for Velvet Leaf or Common Mullen or something like that. before. Velvet Leaf? That would be nice, soothing. 
It's totally not splinter. You know, there's no splinters in that baby. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord, we need to get we need to get out of this pandemic now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for today. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having yeah. us, Matt. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's good to be, it's good back. To be back. Good to in be front back of in all studio. your faces. Yeah. So today we talked about GDUs and GDDs for both field crops and weeds. Agriculture.com turned 25 this year. Ag History Minute, we talked about ag exports. And Cool Beans, that's corny. We talked about flipping seed boxes and continued supply issues. And you applied what? We talked about burndowns. So hopefully it doesn't burn down there. And as always, happy farming.